I understand hip hop's a culture, but they don't say jazz started when John Coltrane played his horn at the community center. Only in hip hop are they claiming this magical party set it off. Yeah. 50 years of hip hop. 50 years of hip hop from Listener Power, KEXP. Today's a very special day, my friends. Over the past year, we've been building up to this very day. I'm Larry Mizell Jr., and this right here is 50 years of hip-hop. We all know the special occasion that helped us mark 50 years. Cool Herc's back-to-school jam in the Bronx on August 11th, 1973. That's certainly what led us to start this podcast. We've already had a great conversation about that specific event, and I encourage you to listen to that episode earlier in our feed. Today, though, we want to remind you that, like all good things, there's way more nuance to the narrative. At KEXP, we're always striving to tell you a fuller story by challenging historical perspectives and amplifying underrepresented voices. So for starters, when it comes to the origins of hip-hop, there was so much more going on in New York that led to the start of the hip-hop movement. And that's why, for this very important episode, we're turning the mic to KEXP's very own DJ Supreme LaRock. Check one, two, microphone check one, two. A true OG. He was a kid growing up in New York in 1973, and he's joined by a legendary DJ who was actively involved in the scene at that time, the renowned DJ Hollywood. Hello, hello. Together, those two are going to guide us through other DJs who were innovating and who were on the mic and in other boroughs where the parties were hot and why the DJ remains to this day an essential part of the music and so much more. So what about 73? What were you doing in 73? Uh, I started working in 71. Right. After I was 73, I was still doing the same thing. I was just moving from spot to spot. The after hour life wasn't a long life. Police come in and raid you and that's it. You know what I mean? Right. Over with. Yeah. I mean, some 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 spots could take two or three hits. But, I, you know, if you keep getting hit, you, you got to get that up. Right. I was playing in a in, in my first bar called a bunch of grapes. It was on the east side, so like I said, hip hop wasn't even a thing at the time. You know what I mean? It was just my style of play, and uh, I used to crack that spot. What? Crack that spot, and people was like, "Yo, you heard that shit? That nigga was playing." Blah 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 blah. You know. My little reputation just started to grow. Uh, a girl that came and heard me, she said, I work in a club in the Bronx called 371, and you need to come up there. I said, man, I don't know. You know? So I went up there. These were like, a, like, like some country dudes that, you know, invested their money in a spot. You know what I'm saying? One was a brick mason. The other one was a carpenter. They all of them had that skill. So they built the club like that. You know what I mean? I pulled up on this joint. Like I said, these were like country dudes, so they wasn't into what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? But I broke it down and they wouldn't even let me touch the turntable. So they put a record on and I just grabbed the mic and I just started doing my thing. You know what I mean? And uh, they was impressed with that shit. You know what I mean? But I left. I never I never even tried to go back there. I just, you know, did my little thing and uh let it be what it is for what it worth. 
and then I'm I'm moving on. You know what I mean? They sent for me. Yo, we need that. We need that guy back. Now they want me to. I could touch the turntables. I could do whatever I do. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I could take the music in the direction I want to take it in. And I ain't got nobody to deal with with it not being. You know what I mean? I started working there. You know, I come in at 10. They used to close at 4 in the morning. They had to not let nobody else in by 12 o'clock until some people came out. You know, and it went on from there. You know, I just, my reputation just just really started to blow up because uh, at that time, I was like the only person doing that particular style. Right. And I'm in the Bronx where all these creators of whatever, they wasn't doing none of this shit I'm doing. I was killing it. Ooh. Oh, that was. And then the battle days came when niggas was battling each other. And I was just blowing niggas away because I wasn't battling. I was having a party wherever I went. I, you know, I never looked at it. I'm battling you or whatever. I'm just doing my thing. You showing off. But everybody's watching you. When I'm on, everybody's rocking. Right. And Eddie Chiba, Reggie Wells, Michael P., Richard Hot, Junebug, uh, all of those cats. They were working at Charles Gallery. And I had Junebug. He was he was from in the Bronx where I'm at. And I showed him how to, you know, be my DJ. You know what I'm saying? So while I'm while I wanna talk and shit, he can hold a record, you know what I'm saying? Uh he wound up being the best of the best. Flash, Starsky, none of those nobody could handle Junebug right. with the turntable. He was nice with it. And uh you know, that drug game got him f***ed up, though. Yeah. You know, but uh, I taught him from scratch when he knew nothing of a turntable. He was just a kid hanging out in the spot. Yeah, I went to the fever when I was 14, but of course I couldn't get in. I just wanted to see it and be there, and I was outside. Right. And I remember I was scared for my life, but I wanted to be there. Yeah, because it was a lot of thuggish, ruggish yeah. things out there. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. <laughs> Yeah, when I say thuggish, ruggish, I mean just that. Fever was terrible. Lord have mercy. But the music was flop. Yeah. So what was your first residency? Oh, man, I had so many spots. I I, I did after-hour spots before I, I, I came to the surface. And uh, any spot I went in was my spot. Competition wasn't that great. It wasn't that many people... Wanting to be a DJ, you know what I mean? Right. Now, yeah, well, now everybody's that. a DJ. Yeah, and the money is different. Yeah. Didn't have that many million dollar cats getting this money, you know? Right. This is something that got to be in your blood, and your love for the music has to be great. Right. So a lot of people that's coming along, and they want to be DJs and all that, if they ain't got the love for the music, they ain't going for it. Yeah, I don't see a lot of that these days. I mean, I, there's a handful, but there's not a lot of it. Right. It's actually rather frustrating, thing, the things I see online these days. Yeah. A um, whole lot of scratching and, and jigger jigging, but that don't rock parties. Right. For some reason, you seem to get left out of hip-hop history by a lot of people. 
I won't by say a lot I, of people. Right. Now I don't say everybody, but by a lot. In, right. in in your mind, why do you think that is? Well, because of the narrative. Uh they're saying hip hop starts in the Bronx. I'm not from the Bronx. So there's always been a a low lying sensibility of, you know, we started this and I don't think so. You know what I mean? Right. My thing is, uh, you know, I say we didn't have Internet, YouTube, social media, nothing going on back then like that. Okay, I always question this. They say Cool Herc's was the party that started hip-hop. And I'm like, well, what made his the party? I was like, did he have the only party, only back-to-school party that year? In a city full of 20 million people? In a room that holds 200. Right. So that's my question. Like, what makes that the one? I was like, maybe... There was a and reporter there because, and, or what? I don't know what it is. No, that's what they went back and created that story. It was just a rent party, actually. Right. I heard that, too. Yeah. So it wasn't a hip hop party. For some reason, they ran with that. And every time somebody gets mad with them, it kind of blows that off, you know? Right. But the room... Yeah, talking about only holds like 200 people. So you put a sound system in that room and throw 200 people in it. What do you got? So let me ask you, were you you, uh, cutting doubles at your parties? Yeah, I always had doubles. But I wasn't scratching or cutting them like that. I was playing them. Right. Mixing them. Who was the first person you saw do doubles? Well, let me see. That's a good question. Because I know talking to different people that a lot of people said Walter Gibbons was would always rock doubles and that Flash would was studying him would would study Walter yeah, Gibbons. Yeah, but that's all. Oh, that's a Bronx attitude. I'm not from the Bronx. No, I'm from Harlem. Oh, Harlem. That's right uptown. Right. And back in the days, I saw these people called Ripping Cliff. I saw Man Boyer, former Grandmaster Flowers who was the absolute king of this shit. But at those times, all these cats are from different boroughs. Right. That's why I'm so confused when they say Bronx started hip-hop, but all of the cats I know from the Bronx that were major, they never played out of the Bronx. That's funny, because that reminds me of stuff that's going on, on out here in my area right now. Like these guys okay. all play on this at the same club on the same block. They never even played outside the city. Think they're like but doing something. You don't have a taste of what everybody else is doing. That makes what you're doing not powerful. Because I know once you travel and go somewhere else, your game gets better. Of course. Now the scratching and all that. Want to give that to the Bronx? Because everybody else was playing music. Nobody wasn't doing that. Right. Lyrically, I'm the first guy to incorporate the lyrical function to the turntable. I am not the first rhyme person by a long shot. But the people ahead of me, they didn't use turntables. Pink Meat Markham, Oscar Brown Jr., Rudy Ray Moore, uh, last poets, watch poets, all of these channels I use for direction and doing what I'm doing. 
but I'm the first guy to take it and do it to a turntable. That's all. Right. But you don't get credit for that. No. From most, for, I would say from most, I give you credit for that. And I know Russell Simmons and a lot of other people will give you, give you big credit. Right. That's because I was doing the job before anybody was doing it. I was rocking this microphone before anybody was rocking a microphone. And I changed the game of partying. Partying took on a new look. People that party, all of a sudden, they were partying harder than they ever partied in their lives because they were part of the show. Right. The call and response game I got from uh, AC, the Prince of Soul. I don't know if you ever heard of him. No. He's a DJ? But he was an announcer. Okay. His thing was strictly holding the mic all night long. And he didn't rhyme or nothing, but he had those people jumping. Some of those slogans that people use, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. This guy was a master of that. So when people started to react to that, I'm already rhyming, but I didn't have that as part of my package. Right. But I saw it work, so I incorporated that into my game. If that's biting or stealing or whatever you want to call it, I took that from him. Mm -hmm. And my whole thing was on another level, though, because of the rap and the rhyming. Right. It made, it made the call and response even better. Because you're giving them a little poetry and then you're giving them a little party themes and all that. And most of that stuff I made up as I went along. Right. Do you have any of the original eight tracks that you recorded back then? Nah, man. Um, through the drug era, I lost all the stuff that I owned. Right. You know, getting high, not paying the bill. Mm-hmm. Got to move. I got nowhere to put the stuff, so I just left it. Right. Was there ever a, pe- a period where you quit DJing? Nah, I ain't never quit. Okay. I got high for a long time. Right. Uh, but I was, I was like really f***ed up smoking crack and all that. And niggas would come up, drive up, and catch me on the corner. Yo, Wood, come here. What's up? Get in the car. Get in the car. Man, I ain't trying. Man, get in the car. Wood, get in the car. He's going to be all right. I get in the car, nigga take me to a nigga house, buy me an outfit, I take a bath and shit, come out, I go rock a party. Okay, so they're just taking care of you. And, 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 yeah, and got, and got paid for it. Nice. On that note, though, weren't you the first DJ that was doing, like, multiple gigs in a night? Yeah, yeah, well, I'm saying, I, I, I think I was, like, the only one at one time, because that wasn't fashionable, you know what I'm saying? Money was a little bit more freer. You know what I'm saying? Cats that had money could, could do what they want to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With that market open like that, I could do major spots, not just lounges, major spots, 500 and better. I could do two or three of them in a night. Right. And, and, and I was getting 
good money for what I was doing. I never talk about money because I ain't paid the taxes on that shit. But uh, you know, a nigga was a nigga was hurting them pockets. Woo! Yes, sir. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, my popularity at that time was crazy. Oh man, I could have I could have ran for president probably one. You know? Yeah. So I've always said, like you like you said earlier, there was five boroughs. And I find it hard to believe that one party in the Bronx was the only thing happening and nobody in any other borough was doing anything. I just don't think it was documented. Well, it wasn't called hip hop. It was just partying, right? That's right. And then and then uh, me and, and me and my man was talking the other day. I mean, I, I understand hip hop's a culture, but they don't say jazz started when John Coltrane played his horn at the community center. There's no, you know what I'm saying? Right. Exactly. It's like he hip-hop. was an entertainer just like we. Right. They, only in hip hop are they claiming this magical party set it off. Right. When people were doing the magical party everywhere. Right. Well, yeah, it was the 70s. Everybody, all the parties were magical. Yeah. And it wasn't just New York partying. Right. But the style of putting the lyrics on top of the turntable. Is what changed the game. Because now niggas with no skills all of a sudden are professionals. Definitely. And most of the guys that were doing the microphone thing, they couldn't play no music. Right. So that made the DJ a real important part of what hip-hop became. And they don't give that much light either. Yeah, that drives me nuts. I mean, I mean, I know... You know, even when I got involved and got into it, the DJ was the most important thing. Yeah, because where your music going to come from? You know, all that rhyming and shit you're doing is fine, but where's the music coming from? Right. The rhyme don't mean shit if it don't got to be, you know? And you can acapella a lot, but you can't do it all night. And there's no party with no music. Right. I mean, it's just crazy to me what is, what hip hop's become and turned into, and I feel like I see all these hip hop fifty events and all this stuff happening, and it's very disappointing to me. It's almost yeah. like, it's almost like disappointment after disappointment when I see the events. Yeah, like the Grammys, all that. Shit, I was like, what kind of serving is this? I mean, I don't really see any DJs. And definitely no b-boying, no graffiti. And like I said, it's a whole culture. It's not just rap, rap. Right. And I'm saying the rap rap that they're presenting is shit that was done years later. It's not what made hip-hop hip-hop. I don't know, man. Uh, at 68, I'm doing my best to adjust to what hip-hop is, uh, the new style is really throwing me out the window because I don't get it. The negativity has taken over to the point of uh, we as a people are just angry with one another. And I know from the door, this never was about no anger. It was about how to feel good. Right. How to get that party started. Not how you're going to shoot somebody or how somebody's getting shot. Uh, this is uh, 
a strange, strange animal right now. And a lot of it's uh, getting people hurt. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, like, this is the only concert that you got to look around and, and, and make sure a nigga ain't pulling out a weapon or some woman ain't getting beat the fuck up. Uh, it's, 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 this is some hard shit. The stupidity of, of, of our young individuals is getting way out of hand. You know, niggas is running up in spots, robbing the spot. You know, at the end of the party, they running up in the spot trying to rob the motherfucker, you know? Right, yeah. And all this gunfires, it's like, for what? Y'all niggas is shooting people and all that for, 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 for reasons that don't even make sense, you know? Like, why would you even shoot somebody over that little $50 or something? You know what I mean? Right. Everywhere you go, you got to watch your back. And then young cats that are doing the wrong shit, if you break on them and tell them, yo, son, you know, you, know, you got to stop that. You might, not, you might not live to see them all. Right. They're not trying to hear that. When I was a kid, man, you could school a nigga all the time. Yeah, all day. If you was about to do some berserk old shit, a nigga say, yo, man, get the fuck up off that. Are you crazy? And you would hear that. Yeah. You know, I mean, some niggas still did the dumb shit, but a lot of niggas could hear and change their perspective on just doing some dumb shit. Right. We always had OGs in the hood. To, like, yeah, man. Out. Yeah, man. You had somebody to look up to, a nigga getting that money. Right. Because I feel like they nowadays, if you, if you talk to them, they want to shoot you. They don't want to listen. They want to shoot you. So did you used to do any park jams or you just rocked in nightclubs? No, I rocked everywhere. Rock parties, park jams. I did all that. Because I know people would talk about park jams getting shot up or the DJs getting robbed. Well, I, ne I, ne I, never, I never went to one of those, but that was Brooklyn. Uh, well, that's always they, been they, Brooklyn. They, yeah, they they take a nigga equipment, all that. Give me that. That shit wasn't happening uptown. Uptown was a little more civil than that. Right. I can't even think of anybody that ever got robbed for their sound system. I think another thing that we didn't touch on when I was thinking about your history and career is uh, when you were doing the big discos, and like you said, a lot of cats couldn't even get in. Yeah, well, I'm saying they they didn't have privy to it, but the bigger discos at that time, uh, you couldn't come in your bum outfit. You had to come up. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, you had to come looking the part. It cost money to get in, and you had to look the part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it cost money all the way around to even get to the party. Right. Because you got to buy a nice outfit. You know, you got to have on some nice shoes. Partying was a whole, whole nother animal. Definitely. What cats do today, it wouldn't even happen back in the days. You know, you wouldn't go about it in that in that light. You know what I'm saying? Uh, nobody didn't think about going to no party and not putting on some hard bottoms. You know, a little cologne, uh, whatever you could afford is what you had to work with. You know what I mean? Everybody didn't have on gators and turtles and lizards because they couldn't afford it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But that never stopped you from getting in the body. 
your little shoes that nobody ain't paying attention to work real good. And today, uh, if you go to a party, you're not going to hear no slow jam all night long. I don't care what. There's no slow music. And you already know taking love out of the game is exactly what it means. You know, I mean, when we went to parties back in the days, our thing was to get that get that phone number. Yes, sir. Uh, it would be five or ten different guys coming to the booth. Yo, 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 when you gonna play a slow joint, yo? When you gonna when you gonna put one of them slow joints on? You know what I mean? We're living in just the opposite. You know, and a slow record come on, man, everybody run. Oh yeah, they don't know what to do. <laughs> the reason to go to a social gathering is to gather some social. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be honest, man. I don't I look at people now and I really don't know wh- why they come out. I think it's just to take pictures of their self at, and say they were there. I think that's it. Yeah, to say they were like, there. That's more it. Like They're not there for the DJ. They're not there for the music. They're not there to meet people. And they're not there to dance. No, not at all. In fact, last week I had a girl request a song. I played the joint for her. I looked at her. She never danced. At the end of the night. Hey, she- yo, people be asking for shit. I get on their ass. Yo, man, why would you ask me for a fucking record that you ain't going to dance to? Right. Because I asked her, I was like, yo, Ma, I play your joint, and you just was chilling over there. She said, nah, I made a TikTok video. I said, a TikTok video? I said, you're supposed to dance. And she said, oh, we don't. She said, you know this generation doesn't dance. Yeah, I didn't know it, but I know it now, I guess. Yeah, I'm seeing it. Yeah, and not believing it. I can't understand it. I don't know why you came out. And you don't party. What the hell is that? I don't know, because it's not me. I have no idea. I mean, it's strange to me, I guess, because I've been to parties all my life. I've I've never really done nothing else but go to parties. And like five years ago, partying died. Yeah, I kind of slowly watched it. I watched it die a slow death over the years. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to bring it back. Right. We all want that energy. I mean, I know I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying I, I, I want that for everybody, not just for me. I want everybody to start having a good fucking time. Yeah. You know, the shit that's going on in the world right now, we need to hurry up and have a good time before this shit be over. I agree. So let the you got a book out, too. I want you to let the people know about your book and where they can get your book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. People tell me it's a good read, you know. I'm not that braggadocious about my own things. When I, you know, when I put records out, I wasn't sweating my record like I see others do. Yeah, I don't think you need to. I mean, the people that know, know, and the people that don't know are going to learn. If somebody like me uh, tries to get your story out there, you have a story, and your story speaks for itself. It's just that people need right. to know your story. Well, because the guys like you, it'll get told. There's a lot of people now doing documentaries and this, that, and the other. And I ain't fucking with them. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that's uh, why I thank you, know, you for talking to me, because I know you don't talk to a lot of people. Nah, man. Not about not about this, because uh, it's so twisted out. I mean, it's crazy that we're here 50 years later, 
and everyone's like bickering with different stories. Yeah, but it, it, everybody's not telling the truth. Right. That's why I wanted to the talk to you. I, I want it from the horse's mouth. Like yeah. I, I want to talk to people. I was a kid. I wasn't there. I don't know. Right. You know, I was there, but I wasn't at those parties. I couldn't get in. So what else? Anything else you want to let people know? Uh, not really. I'm like I said. I, I don't want to. I don't want to whine. I just want right. to tell the story. Well, we're not you know whining. I mean? We're not whining. We're just having a conversation. We're just speaking our right. feelings. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm saying to the public, it sounds like a nigga's whining. <laughs> right. And I get where they're coming from, but at the same token, telling the truth is a, a, a whole other animal now. Oh, telling yeah. the truth used to be something that you had to do when you was back in the days. Now you tell the truth, nigga. Look at you, strange. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You know, this nigga telling the truth. What the fuck is wrong with him? Uh, I don't want to sound like a town crier. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, because I'm speaking on shit that's really distasteful about what we're doing. And uh, people say, oh, that nigga just, that nigga just, just, just whining. You know what I mean? Call it what you like. You know, but y'all guys have really disrespected the game and uh most of y'all think that's cool i don't get it and i feel the same way i feel like if i speak on something i feel like i'm always speaking actual facts but i sound like a grumpy old man and i sound bitter yeah yeah like 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 i'm bitter with the whole world i guess right. you know what i'm saying and it's not like that i'm not that bitter about anything i just feel this wrong you know, well, I, I feel it's wrong, and I feel I care about it. I feel my problem is that I care about it too much. Yeah, yeah, but it's a whole lot of hocus pocus in this game, and that's the shit that kills me. You know, right? Big shouts out to DJ Supreme LaRock for hosting this fantastic conversation. You can hear him spinning every Sunday evening, six p.m. Pacific time, at kxp.org. And of course, huge thanks to the legendary DJ Hollywood for sharing his wisdom, his experience. Ultimately, the story of hip-hop isn't black and white. Well, I mean, it definitely started black and brown, and now it's a little white too, and a whole lot of green. But that's not what I mean. What I mean is, in our celebration of 50 years of hip-hop at KEXP, it's our duty to give flowers where flowers are due. Shout out to Grandmaster Flowers, for that matter. Our mission is to tell the untold stories and give credit where credit is long overdue. Lots of other media outlets, they're climbing on the 50 years of hip-hop bandwagon, and they're doing something glitzy this week, and then they're going to turn the other way. But not KEXP. Thanks to listeners who donate to the station, we've been able to bring you stories all year, once a week, spotlighting a new revolutionary angle of this art form. And we're going to keep going strong through December, and, my friends, we owe that all to you. So I want to say thanks to everyone listening right now who's donated to the station. And an extra, extra special shout-out to our amplifiers who make that ongoing monthly gift. If you can't afford to, that's cool. We'd love for you to spread the word. But it's also never too late if you can help fund our storytelling. That's at kxp.org slash 50 hop This conversation was engineered by Dusty Henry and produced by my man, Roddy Nickpour. I'm Larry Mizell Jr. One more hip-hop hooray. For 50 years of hip-hop, here's to another 50, y'all. We'll see you next week with another story right here from listener-powered KEXP, where the hip-hop matters. Hey.